right. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening. This is the Life is Rough podcast, and thank you once again for tuning in today. Uh, today, guys, I am I'm actually super excited because I get to spend some time with one of my favorite, um, not only religious educators, but favorite people, one of my good friends, um, brother, brother Darren Schmidt. Um, so thank you for thank you for coming and listening, and, or letting me come and uh, just have a conversation with you. And um, would you mind just introducing yourself to to everybody who's listening? Yeah, sure, quick. Jordan. Great to be with you. As always, um, yeah. I'm not sure what you you want to know. I I uh, grew up in in uh, Leighton, Utah, and served a mission in New Zealand in the New Zealand Wellington Mission. Uh, my wife and I have been married happily since uh, uh, 1997. We've got eight kids, nine including me. <laughs> Sometimes my wife will say and uh, oldest is married um, got one currently serving down in uh, Mesa Arizona on a mission and cool. just enjoying family life and kids and uh, life's pretty busy right now yeah well I mean especially when I think about all the different hats that you wear you're a teacher you're a father you're you're currently a bishop in your ward and um, not that this is this is a hat that really takes a lot of strain on you, but it did for a while. And you, but you're an author. You you wrote a book for your kids um, that you that you eventually felt to publish. Could you tell us a little bit about that that book? A little bit. Yeah, that was that was oh probably oh around 2005. I'd done some presentations down at BYU, and the Enzyme had had approached me about doing an article from some of those and I just as I got thinking about it I thought you know maybe I ought to put these into a, a book form for my children um, it's a it's a it, it originated from a file that I started um, again probably about about 05 maybe a little bit before that how to be a better dad was my was my file name title and I took that I took that uh, file and then just started filling it with conference talks, things that impressed me, insights I gained, and just kind of grew. And a lot of it was became centered on how I could teach and bless and minister to my children. And all the failures, all the successes, all the things I kind of learned along the way and then sat down and I, I, I didn't really see myself as a writer by nature. But as I sat down and started working with it, I found I actually enjoyed cutting, putting my thoughts down. And so worked on that for four or five years, very busy with a growing family and callings and different things. And so we, we, um, I picked at it, usually Saturday mornings, a couple of hours. And it's amazing what, you know, when Alma says small and simple things, great things come to pass. It certainly was a, a lot of little small bits and pieces that just kind of came together and a couple of different Enzyme articles have come from portions of it and and I've uh, just been grateful for the opportunity to learn and writing as you're writing any of you that have been involved with writing or those that have worked on publishing a book it's a very incredible process as you kind of put thoughts and writing together and it kind of morphs into a 
you know, spiritual experiences along the way that you have and as you consider and ponder on things. And occasionally I'll pull the book off the shelf to remember what I learned and uh, reread portions of it because it, yeah. it was really written to, to bless parents in their homes as they seek to teach their children. And a lot of ideas and different things in it that, again, hopefully are meant to bless and strengthen families. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And you you now have a book in the Library of Congress, so you'll, yes. you'll kind of have your stamp on, on history <laughs> yeah. there. That's my, cool. Uh, my posterity will be able to find it. And anyone I give one to, I usually say, you know, wait a month before you give it to the DI. You know, <laughs> so I don't feel too bad. Just out of respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And and like I said earlier, I mean, you are you are someone who is, is an incredible role model for me as, as a really good educator and so I, I appreciate your due diligence to, to understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ and and you I've seen it in your family you really exemplify it so thank you for being a huge yeah. example to me you're very kind Jordan um, and today uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about encouragement because and I, I wanted to talk with you about this specifically because I think you have a very a very cool angle that you can kind of come at it from because you you are a teacher for youth in the church you teach seminary but you're also also a bishop so you get the opportunity to to kind of be nose to nose and knee to knee with people who who really need hope from the gospel of Jesus Christ and need to know where they can turn for peace um, and I'm curious to to know, I mean, I know that you came up with some scriptures that you had had thought about when when we first talked about doing this. Mm-hmm. Were, was there any was there any ed- initial insight that came to your mind when you thought about encouragement and and helping these people when they do overcome or when they need to overcome mm-hmm. these hard times? Um, one that maybe came to mind initially was the the Alma 7 scripture um, where Alma talks about the Lord succoring his people say those of you listening will remember that that word talks about giving aid to there's some different meanings of it running to um, kind of that idea of carrying a burden Um, it lists Alma 7 talks about generally we look at we look at the atonement helping us with our sins, and it certainly does that. But Alma lists, let me just turn there, Alma lists things like, right, our afflictions, our temptations, sicknesses, uh, infirmities, and he will take upon him death that he may loose, I'm in verse 12 of Alma 7, death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people, he will take upon them their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy. Why? For that reason, according to the flesh, that he may know, quote, how, according to the flesh, quote, how to succor his people according to their infirmities. I posed this question to the, my teenagers this year. Why are some people healed and some people aren't? Certainly there's a lot of rules and principles that govern that. There's been a lot taught on that, but I, I think as it relates to suckering, it has something to do with the fact that Christ felt and experienced everything we we have. And the reason is, again, as Alma says, so that he could know how to succor his people. 
um, is it time to take that temptation away that you have, you know, a youth might have regarding pornography? Does he let him carry it for a time because it causes them to reach out to him and and try to overcome the weaknesses? And men are given weaknesses, Ether says, so that they can be right humble and so that they can they can reach out to a loving Savior who can help them they come unto me and right that they can overcome their weaknesses and so all of all of when, when Alma teaches that all that we we go through sometimes that burns lifted and sometimes it's left with us and who better to decide than him who who created the earth who's the, we know as the father of our spirits the scriptures speak of the one that can make that decision it's interesting that the one of the atonement in one of the one of the meanings of the word atonement is to cover. It's interesting when you put hands on someone's head and give them a blessing, you're covering them with your hands. My stake president pointed out to me one time that he, he noticed his hands make a heart when he when he gives a blessing. I'd never even <laughs> thought about that before, but you know that we're covering a person with love and and then giving them the aid under the impressions of the spirit, whether or not the Lord's ready to pull it or keep it with us. And to me, knowing that makes a difference. Knowing that he does that makes a difference when you're going through a trial because it means that he's not going to allow me to carry the burden, you know, number one on my own, but he's never going to, that, that burden is going to be lightened or lessened based on the needs that he fills are very best for me, for my own growth, my own refinement, my own progression, right, ultimately. And so that's been helpful, I think, to just understand that. And, and I'm not talking about trials and, and afflictions that come to us when we sin. Those are separate. I think it was Elder Scott that said that it's really important to distinguish the difference between the two. Yeah. Because if it's sin, then I repent. But if it's the kind of trials that just come to us as part of life, as part of you know the mortality yeah. those are the ones i can just be assured that again the savior is will always be a part of that and as we reach out to him he can lift those burdens because he knows as alma says how to sucker yeah. his people yeah i think it's there's a there's a talk that my sister and i are, are big fans of hank smith and yeah we listen to a lot of his cds there's Great one that guy. he does called uh trial blessing or both uh -huh. and he talks about that about there's, I think there's three types of trials, or three or four, I can't remember. But but yeah, he does separate them into those categories of things that happen to us, things that happen as a result of sin, and um, things that happen just as a part of this mortal experience. Like, there are some things that we just can't help. Um, and it's not because God doesn't love us, but it, it, it is part of that refinement, like you're talking about, mm -hmm. that he is making us into more heavenly and holier beings through those trials and so I, I love that I love everything that you just shared I thought I thought it was really interesting in in Alma chapter 7 because because when you wrote that I, I kind of went back to those same verses as well and I thought it was interesting that that Alma used the word pain twice I, w I was kind of mm. conditioned from an early age that if a prophet mentions something multiple times there's some significance to that. And I think by him mentioning pain twice, I think he's trying to 
he's trying to teach us something that I think he further indicates in Alma chapter 34 mm -hmm. um, about the atonement being being infinite. Um, in, in Alma chapter 34, in verse 10, talking about the, the sacrifice that needed to be made as part of the plan of Heavenly Father, he says, For it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, yea, not a sacrifice of men, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl, for it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it must be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And it just, when I read that verse, especially that last line, the words infinite and eternal make me, really give me that hope that the atonement had to be infinite or else it wouldn't have been enough. And because it was, it was the sacrifice of the Son of God, even Jesus Christ, it, it covers everything. There's, there's nothing, not one jot or tittle, that, that didn't get covered by that sacrifice. And I think that's one thing for me that gives me hope that, that all pains, you know, whether they be our own or that of others, as Elder Holland would say, are covered through, through love and through mercy and through the grace that's offered to us through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I love that phrase in the I love and I love what you just said. I love the phrase in you know the Bible dictionary and if, if anybody listening hasn't read that in a while that might be worth going back and looking at where we're taught that grace helps us to continue the good works that we couldn't do on our own. And so the savior is some of you'll be familiar with the footprints poem or the footprints in the sand poem love the idea of Christ being with us, but there's a moment in that, in that poem where there's one set of footprints because the Savior's carrying, you know, the, the person. And again, the idea is great because he's with us, but in reality, it's more than that. There's one set of footprints the whole entire time. Christ is carrying us. King Benjamin says, the air we breathe is lent to us. And so when you consider that in a mortal place where Satan can rule and where, it, where everything is just mortal, we, we need the grace of Christ to, to get up, breathe, move around, choose between good and bad. It's all, again, part of God's great plan in helping us to become like him. We have to be tried and we have to be tested. And diamonds are made out of pressure and heat, right? creates a diamond and it's similar for each of us as we as we struggle at times yeah that is that is really cool um you know i'm just i know that you know on on this podcast traditionally we we focus on you know the trial and i think i i sometimes find myself focusing so much on the trial that i lose sight of the excuse me the the encouragement and the the love that, that we see in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the light that we have in each of us to, to make choice between good and evil. And um, what, I, what I know that we can't always handle or control is, is what happens to us, but what we can choose is that better part of, of following the Savior and doing the next, making the next right decision you know, whatever that decision is. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious, you know, what, 
what do you do when you're in the midst of trials? Because one thing that, again, Brother, Brother Hank Smith makes very clear is that when you are initially in the midst of trials, it's, it's darn near impossible to immediately just kind of like let it roll off your shoulder and be happy. That's, that's not normal or a, a natural reaction to going through trials. But what, what can you do? I mean, what words of encouragement would you give to somebody who would, who would go through that? There, there's certainly an element of faith that's involved, especially when it does get hard, where we have to, is it, is it Ether 12 where he says, hope for a better world? I think it's 12 verse 4, it, even yes. a place at the right hand of God. And, so, and, he, and he talks about it being an anchor to us. When a ship is sailing and the storms are raging, that anchor is going to hold amidst all that's going on. I think that, so there's an element of faith. It's interesting that as we study the atonement, even this last couple of weeks, Gethsemane and on the cross, you can see elements of faith in what Christ is. Father, let this cup pass from me. Is there any other way that this can be done? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. He's on the cross. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And there's some moments where you can see the Savior having to exhibit an incredible amount of faith. I mean, beyond words and the challenge of, of doing that. When we go through the trial, there has to be, I, I believe that's part of it. There's this element of faith that, well, the Lord says everything's going to work together for my good. Right? I think that's I think that's section 98 verse 3. He says it's going to work together for my good. So I've got to trust that that it's going to, that this is going to turn out. Um, I was, maybe by way of illustration, I, I was excited to see that in the New Saints book, they included the story of the volcanic eruption that took place. Yeah. Uh, that ended up affecting Joseph's family. Um, I say any of you that have studied that will know that the it, it was it called the year without a summer. The papers called it that. You can go back and look at the the articles on it. They're having snow in the middle of the summer. It's killing crops, and Joseph's family certainly was wondering why is all of this happening to us. They're going to travel to Palmyra, which is. They end up, their farm is, I think, somewhere, it's like three miles from where the plates are at, which again is incredible. And Joseph's going to limp along the way. You read the Lucy Mack accounts in, the, in, in her book, which is phenomenal, about him. The, the person helping drive the family throws him out of the cart, and Joseph's walking along limping in pain as they travel to Palmyra. The man tried to steal their wagons, and Lucy goes running into the one of the one of the local pubs, I think, there, and shouts out for help and scares the man off. And then she ends up with the the boys and the other children traveling the rest of the way. I remember her saying, "When I got there, I and met up with my husband. Thus, thus I was in the presence of my husband again, and, and something to the effect of I was, you know." amidst all that we'd gone through to be able to be in his arms again was 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 an incredible thing for her um 
why the volcano? Why the crops failing? Why the Joseph's pain and walking along the way? There's a lot of unanswered questions. But now we can look back and say, the restoration of the gospel took place, was able to, he's in the right places at the right times. For the leg surgery up in, up in uh, Vermont there, and then to be right where the plates needed to be, um, or where they were, and then to, to that allowed all that we really have today interesting to just consider that and and all of the different volcanoes crop killing physical ailments things that we endure along the way and where heavenly father's really taking us i think as we look back on our lives as we get older it's a little tougher for teenagers sometimes because they just haven't lived long enough sometimes but as you get older you can start to look back and see that like the brother of jared god's preparing you for the storms I've got to be in the right type of barge. It's got to be this way, tight like into a dish. But in the story, he's blowing them toward the promised land. There never ceased to be a wind that blows, right? And they eventually land at the promised land. And uh, again, they're better for it when that, when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I love like all <coughs> the experiences that you shared. The, the New Saints book is fantastic. If you haven't gotten the chance to just flip through its pages and read some of the stories, I, I definitely encourage it. Um, and also the, I mean, the story of the brother of Jared and just all of it ties together so well with um, one, my, one of my favorite scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants, I think it's section 58, um, verses two through four that just in, in summary says, you can't, you have no idea what the Lord has in store for you or what he's going to make of what you're going through right now. And like it, it really is incredible. And there's, there's a lot of times, not only back then, but in our, in our present time, we, we might not know why, you know, we, we didn't make it into one home, but you, you might find yourself in another home or you, you find yourself on a mission when it was the last thing on your mind or you, you find yourself pregnant with a child when you weren't planning on that for several years, or, or even you know you get a, a, a medical diagnosis that's that's scary, and that I feel like that happens more and more each day. But in in all of those things, we can we can have faith, as as Brother Schmidt said, that God is going to make so much more of of those things that we go through. Scriptures talk about him being in the, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh no. Um, being involved in the very details of our lives, right? Every hair of our head is numbered. How significant to any of us is a hair to us when it falls out, right? If you find it in the carpet or on the in your food or in... I, <laughs> the Lord says I've got them all numbered at the very details. I Just a, an experience has come to my mind. I was traveling one year down to BYU Education Week to speak down there and, and got law. In fact, I think it was my, fir- my very first year going down there because I remember getting lost and trying to follow the maps. I did not attend school down there and so I, I remember looking at the clock getting caught in traffic and realizing that I needed to, to have computer set up, mic hooked up to present and watching the clock, the time just 
you know, tick away as I'm sitting there at traffic lights. How in the world am I going to make it to this? I remember it dropping down to about 12 and 10 minutes and just thinking, okay, there's a group of people sitting in there waiting and I'm, I'm in my car and, and certainly it was, you know, I probably didn't plan as well and I didn't know and I wasn't sure going down what I was getting into and, and so there was a lot of mistakes on my end, but I remember just feeling driving into a, um, taking a chance and pulling into a, a, a downstairs, a, a garage, a underground garage. They've remodeled a lot of the campus now, but and getting out of my car and having no idea where I was on the campus and stopping the first person I saw. Could you help me? And the the man looked at me and said, Elder Schmidt? And I said, Elder Corey? And it was the same missionary that picked me up in New Zealand from the airport when I arrived as a brand new missionary. And Elder Corey just happened to be a professor at that building. And it was in fact the building I needed to be in. He walked me up to my room. He knew exactly where it was at. I was hooked up, ready to go, and I think it was about two minutes before I was ready to speak. But um, the Lord, the Lord is mindful of all of the details and has a way of of blessing us during just difficult times. And even when a, you know, I've I've seen this many times in my ward when difficulties arise. We had a young man commit suicide a couple of years ago. Very, very tragic and. I had to take care of the funeral, and mother found him, um, you know, dead, and police on scene, and very, very difficult situation, but amidst all of that, we just saw multiple, multiple tender mercies, and we, we need to remember those. We need to write them down. We need to think about them more. All those things are meant to help us with our faith, so that when we do have to hold on, and when nothing seems to be making sense, that we can, we can cope and we can still feel peace. And interesting, in a hurricane, the most, the safest part, anybody that thinks about or studies those is the center. And uh, when we center our lives on Christ, amidst the storms that are revolving around us, we can feel peace. And that's because the Savior won vic- has already won victory over death, of sin, of, of, you mentioned the word pain earlier, all of those things. Because of, because of Him, we can have hope. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I think that's a, that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, I just, I know that, that I felt, felt something special. I felt the Spirit here today, and, and I hope that that many of you will, will be able to take something with you from this, whether it's you that's going through a difficult time or someone that you know. Um, just just remember that it, it is our faith that we can hang on to and it is experiences that we have, like Brother Schmidt said, that give us an anchor that we can we can always find ourselves centered in Christ and so we can we can get through the toughest of times. And once again thanks for sitting down with me and talking with me and thank you jordan um we'll just we'll end that there and and as always until next time remember to be strong and of good courage and thank you once again for listening Mm